Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to SOJC Radio. Preaching the gospel of the kingdom and teaching the doctrine of Christ to the whole world. Good evening and welcome to Friday Night FOJC Remnant Gathering. Grab your Bible and your pens and your paper and when two or three are gathered in his name, the Lord is right here with us. So thank you for joining us and here's Brother David. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the December 22nd, 2023 edition of the FOJC Remnant Gathering. I am David Carrico. For the next hour, we're going to be studying the Word of God. We are so very thankful for each and every one of you joining us. We're so thankful for all of our new listeners uh, that are trying to check out FOJC and see what we're all about. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, we're here this evening with our flak helmets on and Sister Donna is manning the anti-aircraft gun, and she's fighting off the incoming here. It's it's red hot here at Ground Zero, and that's all right because the Lord's in control. And got several things I need to talk to you all about uh, and to, to announce. So uh, I imagine some of you have seen the broadcast that John Pounders and I did last night on Now You See TV uh, regarding December 25th, and it was basically... A polemic against one of Dean Odell's videos that was just so misleading. We just felt we had to we had to clear the air because we had both been complimentary of Mr. Odell and rightly so in his work on Flat Earth. But this was just so over the top misleading that we just had to say something about that. So we did, and you can watch that video last night and tonight on the Dan Badandi broadcast. Uh, I'm going to be on there with Dan, and I'll be answering some of the comments that Mr. Odell has been making uh, on social media. And I think, uh, more than likely, John Pounders is going to drop in for a bit on the Dan Badandi broadcast later tonight on Truth Radio. Um, Also, uh, Jimmy Jimmy Cooper has announced on his uh, website that uh, the DOC coordination between he and I have come to an end, and I want to confirm that, that uh, Jimmy and I have agreed after 160 episodes of the Doctrine of Christ, we are no longer going to be partnering together on that, and uh, there's no drama or angst or hard feelings there. Uh, we're just calling it a job well done after 160 episodes. And I will say that, uh, whether you know it or not, the doctrine of Christ is the most important thing in your life. And the DLC series, and of course, uh, I was teaching the DLC before I met Jimmy, and I wasn't the first person to teach the DLC. And we emphasize here it's the message that matters. Uh, one of these days, I won't be here teaching the DOC 
but it must go on. And the Doctrine of Christ series will go on. And we have a the season eight we recorded with Jimmy. There will be a Doctrine of Christ episode uploading every Monday on our Underground Church YouTube channel through the end of March. And after that, we will be uh, reformatting and having uh, continuing the Doctrine of Christ series, teaching what Jesus taught. And it's the message that matters. So we're very thankful for that. Like I say, there's no drama or angst against Jimmy whatsoever. And uh, away we go. I want to say also, uh, we're very excited that uh, Chantel DeVries will be starting very soon. We'll be having an announcement date for the first broadcast very soon. She's going to be doing a series on narcissism. But had a chance to tell David, but I have a new form on the narcissism page that we have now, but I'll be reformatting that. But I'd like for people to send in questions. Uh, Chantel's asked for that. So we may not answer them in the order that they're sent in, but if you have a question about narcissism, please use that form, and it'll make it easier for me to find them and pass them on to Chantel. Thank you. Also, while we're doing this, I'll do the prayerathon announcement. Okay, go ahead. While ahead. I'm uh-huh. on here, uh, we are doing the prayerathon uh, Monday at 3:30 p.m. Central Time, and I'm asking everyone to have their prayerathon uh, request if they want to send an email to use that page on our website and use that form. Also, like I said, it helps me to sort through them and find them faster. I've already collected a bunch of them. But if you haven't sent yours in, please do. And please have it in before 1 p.m. so I can get them printed out for the people that's going to read them. Also, limit your words and be very uh, succinct in what you say. In other words, get to the point quickly so we can uh, get all the prayer requested because we keep increasing every month. Praise God. Thank you so much for your participation. Back to David here. And I want to say also that we got a little youth movement going on here in FOJC. Uh, Sam Garcia, who is 24, is going to be co-hosting our prayer-a-thon on the 25th. And I also, I just want to say that concerning this series on narcissism with Chantel DeVries, it's going to rock. It's going to rock. It's going to be a great series, and it's going to be so helpful for us all. So we're really excited about that, and we'll be having an announcement uh, very soon on the starting dates and the first broadcast. Like I say, get your questions in. Uh, Also, our our youth movement up in here, uh, Sunday night on Sunday Night Live, a young lady, 22 years old, Jillian Stone, will be presenting uh, the truth of the Hail Mary. This is going to be totally fresh. New information, she'll be on FOJC Radio Sunday Night Live on the Rumble Channel. And I am really looking forward to that. Um, and I just know I'm going to forget something to, to, today, but I'm going to try to remember everything. But uh, next week, well, okay, we've got uh, Sunday Night Live with Gillian. We've got Monday we have a prayer-a-thon Tuesday night. Uh, there's, for all of those on the 25th, the controversy is going to be raging. And on 
Tuesday night at 6 p.m. Drawing Living Waters will be back. They're working reformatting some things, but Tuesday night we're going to be running a broadcast called The Duality of Santa Claus. So people that you encounter on the 25th, uh, if they need a little more info, uh, you know, there's going to be that. And also on Wednesday... Uh, uh, late Tuesday night to Wednesday, a new episode of the Holy Commission Boot Camp will be up. And Thursday, uh, there'll be another broadcast, uh, Saturnalia and Nimrod. So we're going to be, I mean, there's just so much information. One of the prayer requests this week is from Diane to share her research about pagan holidays. And I tell you what, if you start researching, that'll be the end of it. Because there's just no doubt about it. So, you know, I know a lot of this, our our audience is well-educated about that, but we've got so many new listeners come in. We thank the Lord for that. And we're going to have yet another uh, Tuesday and Thursday, another broadcast oriented toward educating people uh, on this issue. And it is really, really very important so we got a lot going on and um i got also uh i ask everyone to write in and absolutely do write in i love getting the letters and uh i want to give the address out again um the address if you want to write to me is uh followers of jesus christ post office box 671 tell city indiana Four seven five eight six, and we got a nice letter from the New Mexico Remnant, and they were wanting prayer. Uh, Tina Brown writes, uh, uh, "Please keep us in prayer, as I will be working on applying for executive clemency pardon from the governor for Albert. I am also working on getting my dual citizenship in Mexico, since my dad is from there." We are not sure where the Lord will take us, but we strive to be ready and to be used for his honor and glory. Praise be to God. So we're going to remember that this evening in our prayer. And also, they said, uh, keep us in mind if you want us to be on again. We're available on the 25th. What an awesome day to go to war against the enemy. So I say, Brother Brian, let's send him a link. And we'll get uh, Brother Albert, Sister Tina, and also Sister Dawn, uh, Winders, and we're working on that. We've, I mean, I tell you what, <laughs> it's been going on here. We got it popping, and we're going to be working on getting a time set up to uh, get Sister Dawn Winders interviewed. She's got a tremendous testimony of coming out of Mormonism, and uh, maybe uh, Brian sends that link. We can see Sister Dawn on the 25th to help us pray on the prayer thon. But we're so thankful for that. We just really, really are also uh lois ort wrote uh and asked for prayer for her daughter and she also wanted that passed on to the prayer thon so i'll give that to donna and we'll try to remember that also for the prayer thon we try hard not to forget anything and we'll pray for lois and her daughter today also uh kimberly from south carolina she wrote and she said um uh, the Throne Life by Peck, I ordered. I have been blessed so much. I love the Puritans as well. So refreshing and amazing that you share their thoughts so much. Thank you. Well, thank you so much, Kimberly, for writing. And uh, I just, uh, I'm blessed when you're blessed. And that's what we're here for, to to be 
a blessing. So, I think we're about ready to go to Lord in prayer. Our other uh, prayer request here, uh, Sister Sherry's daughter. We want to pray for her. And there's some of the... Okay. Okay. Sister Sherry's daughter is pregnant. And there's people in the family there with COVID. Diane prays to be able to share her research about pagan holidays. And uh, amen to that. Family gatherings for those who do not believe but want to see family. And that's always tough situations, isn't it? So, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we are so very thankful to be able to come together and lift up these requests before you. And, Father, we just do lift up Albert and Tina that uh, that pardon for Albert will be a reality in Jesus' name. And for that citizenship for Tina, uh, Father, if that be an instrument for uh, her and her life and the work of the kingdom, Father, let it be so in Jesus' name. We also, we want to pray for Lois Ort's daughter, Father, in Jesus' name. We, uh, we just pray that the convicting power of the Holy Spirit be upon her and that she be drawn back to you in Jesus' name. Father, we want to pray for all of those that are in situations that are uncomfortable as family gets together at this time of year, that uh, you just give us truth. Let our grace be seasoned with salt as we share the truth with those that we love. We want to pray for Sherry's daughter, that you just give her a safe pregnancy and a happy delivery. And for all of those in the family with COVID, you just touch them in the mighty name of Jesus. Also, Father, we just pray for Diane that you open up uh, the door for her to be able to share her research into pagan holidays and uh, to be able to bring truth and light to people. And Father, we just want to pray for this broadcast this evening that you'll just help me to bring forth your word and in clarity and truth. Let us be built up and drawn closer to God. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray and we agree. Amen and amen. Worship the Lord for a few moments, and we're going to be back with our study for this evening, The Word Made Flesh. We're sorry, but because of copyright rules, you cannot hear my music. However, if you want to hear the message in its entirety with my music, you can join us on the radio page on Friday night for the live audio broadcast at 6 p.m. Central Time, or you can listen on our podcast page at fojcradio.com. Here's Brother David. Turn your Bibles to John, the first chapter, and the 14th verse. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And that word dwelt, it means tabernacled. When Jesus was born in Bethlehem, he came to dwell or tabernacle among us. For those of you that saw the broadcast John and I did last night on Now You See TV on December 25th, uh, we did some comment on the scheme that is based upon Luke 1 and 5. Luke 1 and 5 says that Zacharias was of the course of Bia. And there is a scheme of calculating the date of the course of Abia 
to arrive at December 25th for the date of Christ. And the Catholic Church, even they're the ones that want the December 25th date, and the Catholic Church even admits that this is Jewish tradition and unreliable. And last night on NICE TV, we put, put forth unto you a more scholarly presentation of a much well, a much more scholarly calculation of the course of Abia that would put John the that would put Jesus born on the Feast of Tabernacles. And I do believe that when it says the Word made flesh and dwelt among us, that I believe Jesus was born on the Feast of Tabernacles. I can't prove it. I can't argue it. But when I read about the word tabernacling among us, yeah, that just rings a bell with me. And there's other things, too, that would be there to back that up. Now, we want to think this evening about what it means for God to tabernacle or dwell among us. And in the book of Exodus, in the 25th chapter and the 8th verse, the scripture talks about God's desire to dwell with us. How humbled and honored we should be that God would want to dwell with us. How humbled and how grateful we should be that the sinful Son of God would come to die upon a cross, to be made flesh, to die for our sins. Proverbs 25, or excuse me, Exodus 25 and 8. And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. And we know that in the the tent, the tabernacle in the wilderness there between uh, the cherubim on the mercy seat, the Lord would manifest in his glory. And he would speak with Moses face to face. Uh, In Exodus chapter 40 and in the 34th verse, It says, Then a cloud covered the tent of the congregation, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. This is what it is meant of the Lord wanting to dwell with us, to literally dwell with us. He wants, we are now the temple of the living God. He wants to dwell and manifest himself in us. Now, that word In Exodus chapter 40 and verse 34, that is translated glory is the Hebrew word kabod. And the Hebrew word kabod literally means a weighty presence that is so strong that it can be felt. And we see that in the dedication of the temple that they could not even stand because of that weighty presence of the kabod of God that was there. And... I want to say just a little bit about the word Shekinah because there are many, and as I look, even Adam Clark and Matthew Henry use the word Shekinah. And I want to say a little bit about that. Um, I want to read from the major trends in Jewish mysticism. And the word Shekinah is a Kabbalistic word. And in mainline Judaism... Shekinah is basically a synonym for the glory of God. But in Kabbalism, Shekinah is the feminine aspect of God that gives them their concept of the androgynous God. Therefore, I do not use the word. I do not use the word Shekinah 
uh, because there are so many people out there they're trying to peddle this idea of the androgynous God female Holy Spirit it's all over uh, so you know I refuse to use the word except in the in the realm of polemic but this is a gentleman his name is Gershom Sholem and this book major trends in Jewish mysticism and Mr. Sholem was a Jewish professor at the University of Jerusalem. He was a Jewish by faith also. And he was an expert on the Kabbalah. And I want to just share some thoughts here that he said concerning this. It'll help us to understand. He says, attention must, this is on page 229 of his book, attention must be directed above all to the new meaning infused into the idea of Shekinah. It says, uh, that that there is no hint that it represents a feminine element in these non-Kabbalistic writings. He says the introduction of this idea was one of the most important lasting innovations of Kabbalism. For strict Talmudists as well, insofar as they were not themselves mystics, the conception of the Shekinah as the feminine element in God was one of the main stumbling blocks in approaching the Kabbalistic system. So at the time uh, that Matthew Henry and Adam Clark wrote, Shekinah was basically a Jewish synonym for the glory of God. Kabbalah was around at that time. Kabbalah's been around for a long time, but it wasn't predominant like it is now. They didn't have all kinds of bright lights passing themselves off as Christians peddling the... uh, female Holy Spirit androgynous God heresies that they're peddling today. So with the introduction of Kabbalism and today and you know of course Judaism is wrong because they reject Jesus Christ but Kabbalism goes even deeper down into darkness than mainline Judaism. But today in Judaism I was reading one uh, rabbi's blog he said that 80% and more of the rabbis in Israel are now Kabbalistic. Kabbalism has taken over um, Judaism. And uh, it's rampantly popular, as you know. And this has also been picked up by many pseudo-Christians that are trying to peddle this uh, female Holy Spirit, androgynous God lie, which is the demonic spirit of the age. No doubt about it. And uh, it's really, really a dark, dark, dark rabbit hole. But we just want to clarify that. that uh, and that's why I will not use the word. I will not use the word. And uh, I absolutely will. But in the same context, it did not mean, uh, it did not carry the same weight back in those days that it does now. But the idea of God wanting to dwell with his people, that does most definitely carry weight. And we understand that this is the goal from the beginning. God created us that he might have fellowship with us, and he wants us to dwell with him, and he wants to dwell with us. In the 74th Psalm, in Psalm 74, and the second verse, the scripture says this, Remember thy congregation, which thou hast purchased of old, the rod of thine inheritance, which thou hast redeemed, this Mount Zion, wherein thou hast dwelt. And the very end 
of the workings of God. In Revelation chapter 21, it says in Revelation chapter 21 and verse 3, And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. Now, there were certain criteria that were set throughout Scripture for God dwelling with his people. And we're going to line them out uh, and, and bring those out and to show that which God required for him to dwell in their midst. We read in the book of Ezekiel how that the children of Israel went into paganism. And in the 8th chapter of Ezekiel, the prophet uh, was shown a hole in the wall and he was shown all the things that they were doing in the dark and it shows the spirit of God and the glory of God leaving the temple and going to rest upon the Mount of Olives and the Lord will not dwell and inhabit in the midst of wickedness and paganism that's why it is incumbent upon us as the Israel of God to put from us all paganistic practices we live in a demonized pagan society and it is our goal to strip those out of our life it's our goal to teach and warn people to get back to jesus christ him crucified the bible the bible only get back to that simplistic of new testament worship that was practiced by the reformers and by the puritans by the early church of the martyrs it's time to come out of Babylon and to cling close to Jesus Christ. And in that text we read, the word was made flesh and we beheld his glory. This is the driving concept that fuels the doctrine of Christ and the true apostolic doctrine. They beheld the glory of the incarnate Son of God in John chapter, 1 John chapter 1 verse 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with their eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. The Apostle John, the Apostle Peter, they saw him. Their physical ears heard the words coming from Christ's mouth. They, they saw Jesus Christ, the Word made flesh, their eyes beheld Him, their hands felt Him as they walk up those dusty roads. The, the touch of Christ upon their shoulder was there. He was real. He was the Word made flesh. And that which they saw and heard from Jesus Christ in verse 2, He said, For the life was manifested. And we have seen it, and bear witness, and shew unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father, and was manifested unto us. That is our mandate. That is our mission. We also bear witness that when Jesus Christ was manifest in the flesh, everything he did was holy and right. There was no sin in him. Everything he did was in absolute conformity and obedience to the law of God. He is our perfect example at no place. Sin is the transgression of the law. There was no sin in Christ. And when we see Jesus, we see the perfect fulfillment of the law and that's what we testify we testify that it's Jesus Christ God made flesh Emmanuel the word made flesh that is what we bear witness of in in verse 3 that 
which we have seen and heard declare we unto you. That, brothers and sisters, is the doctrine of Christ declaring the, the apostles they saw and they declared that which they saw and heard firsthand from Jesus. That's what we do. We declare that which Jesus said. We proclaim Jesus Christ as Word made flesh, Emmanuel, God with us, the sinless born Savior who died upon the cross for our sins. This is our mission. That is our mandate. And that is the only mission that we can ever have. It is truly the message that matters. And truly, the doctrine of Christ, whether you know it or not, it is the most important thing in your life. In Second John, in verses 9 and 10, Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ, that means you get in it and you stay in it. Hath not God, he that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him. Godspeed. The doctrine of Christ truly is the most important thing in your life because without that, you do not have God. And the doc- And for many, I'm so thankful that we have so many new listeners. We welcome you and we hope you stick around long enough to try to figure out what us wild folks are all about. But I want to say a little bit about the doctrine of Christ. Sad to say, if you've not been listening to FOJC Radio or NIC TV or Dan Badandi, that you might not even know what the doctrine of Christ is. And usually, if any preacher mentions the doctrine of Christ, they'll say, well, that means that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin and he was God in the flesh. And boy, these are all really, really good things. I stand for them 100%. But that is the doctrine about Jesus. That is not the doctrine of Christ. The doctrine of Christ, the dadache, that is that which Jesus taught. We're talking about those red letters. And let's just let Scripture define Scripture. Let's look at the 7th chapter of Matthew in the 28th verse. And it came to pass, when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine. This comes at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. These are some of the most precious teachings in the doctrine of Christ. And at the end of it, it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine. His doctrine was that which he taught in Matthew chapter uh, 5, 6, and 7. And then in the Gospel of Mark, in the first chapter, Mark chapter 1, verse 21 and 22. And they went into Capernaum, and straightway on the Sabbath day, he entered into the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his doctrine. Obviously, in the word of God, the doctrine of Christ is what Jesus taught. And that's why we're all about what Jesus taught here. Because without the doctrine of Christ, you don't have God. And in these last days apostasy, the doctrine of Christ... Um, I mean, it's let's face it, It's uh, things are not good. You're not going to hear it. And that's what we're all about, calling people back to Jesus Christ. We say it's time to come back to Jesus, to what he said, to the real word of God, to the whole Bible, all of it, 
It's a simple message. But yet, because of the last days apostasy we're in, it sounds very, very strange to the ears of people. So, you know, if you're just coming out of church or you've never heard this before, just look at those scriptures. The doctrine of Christ is that which Jesus taught, which the Word of God tells us if we don't have that, we don't have God. And every doctrine we teach and preach, it has to be backed up and in conjunction with what Jesus taught. And we've given example after example after example of so many modern doctrines that just absolutely contradict that which Jesus said. And uh, we could give you examples as we have many times on and on and on. But again, in Mark, the fourth chapter, it could not be any clearer. The Gospel of Mark, chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. And he began again to teach to the seaside. And there was gathered unto him a great multitude, so that he entered into a ship and sat in the sea. And the whole multitude was by the sea on the land. And he taught them many things by parables and said unto them in his doctrine. Unmistakably, the Sermon on the Mount is the doctrine of Christ. The teaching and the parables is the doctrine of Christ. Everything Jesus taught in those red letters, it is the doctrine of Christ. We take that as the ultimate revelation of God that what Jesus said he came to reveal God unto us he said that every word he said was that which the father told him to say and he is God made flesh the word made flesh and this is why we cling and we teach over and over and over that the doctrine of Christ is the most important thing in your life because let's face it you're not hearing this in the mainline church and we're all about bringing people people back to Jesus and lifting him up now let's talk a little bit and let's look at what the scripture says about God's requirements for him to dwell among us and you know God is a very gracious and a very loving God But how we approach him, he sets the conditions for that. We cannot approach God on our own whims, on our own ideas and machinations, but we have to approach the holy God according to the way he prescribes. Now, let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 6, and let's begin in verse 14. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And the answer to all of these questions is obviously none. In verse 16, And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God, as God hath said, I will dwell in them, and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord. Now, the Lord here lays down some conditions doesn't he? He he wants to dwell with us. That is his desire. But he lays down parameters and boundaries 
that we must adhere to if we want God to dwell with us. Now, I think we'd all agree that we want God to dwell with us. You know, the almighty living God, when he says, this is what you need to do for me to dwell with you, we're going to say, all right, whatever you say, we're on board with it. You know, we're not going to argue. We're not going to, you know, I mean, arguing with God is not really the wisest thing, is it? But he says clearly that one thing he demands is separation from ungodly fellowship. And here again, uh, in 1 Corinthians 5, Paul laid it out that uh, he's not talking about uh, leaving the world. He says if you didn't have any contact with unbelievers, you'd have to leave the world. But he said that if anybody that is a brother and lives openly, wickedly, you have to separate. Don't even eat with them, he says in 1 Corinthians 5. And here in First, Second Corinthians 6, he's laying down the covenant rules in the New Testament. By the way, Second Corinthians is in the New Testament for uh, those people uh, that don't like the old. But it's laid down here, the absolute mandate to separate from unbelievers and also from believers that profess to be believers, but yet are living in idolatry. Now, I'm going to put forth a radical proposition here for you, and we need to understand that the Apostle Paul here in 2 Corinthians 6, he's quoting the Old Testament. And let's go back to the Old Testament, and let's read the verse that I that Paul was quoting here in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. It comes from Isaiah chapter 52 and verse 11. Depart ye, depart ye, go ye out from thence, touch no unclean thing. Go ye out of the midst of her, be ye clean, that bear the vessels of the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing, Paul said in the New Testament. And everyone says, well, what's the unclean thing mean? I'm going to put forth a really radical proposition to us all here this evening. I believe the unclean thing is the unclean thing. When the Apostle Paul taught in 2 Corinthians about coming out from among them and not touching the unclean thing, he was clearly citing the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 52 and verse 11. Uncleanness is still a reality. The way of cleansing is different. The things that the Bible says will defile you will still defile you. The difference is we now have cleansing in Jesus Christ and now thought through the Levitical system. But defilement is still a reality. And whatever the Lord says that we need to do for him to dwell with us, we should say, thank God, we'll do it. I want you to dwell with me more than anything. So we need to take seriously what the Bible says about clean and unclean. Um, one look at Second Corinthians. Let's just read on one more verse. The uh, in Second Corinthians uh, chapter six, in fourteen through seventeen, eighteen. There, he says, "Come out from among them. Touch not the unclean thing." I'll, I'll be your God, you'll be my people, I'll dwell with you. This is covenant language that we see in the old and the new. God wants to dwell with us, but there's conditions. There's conditions if we want that to happen. Now, let's just read the first verse of chapter 7 
in 2 Corinthians, having therefore these promises. Now, he's referring right back to what he said in the end of 2 Corinthians 6, come out from among them, don't touch the unclean thing. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. We are to put away everything unclean from us. And I understand when people are coming out of the church, they've never been told about clean and unclean. If they have, they've been told, well, it doesn't matter. But clean and unclean does matter. Defilement is reality. What has changed is our way of cleansing. This is New Testament, my friend. When Jesus said, touch, when Paul said, touch not the unclean thing, and I'm taking that radical doctrinal position that the unclean thing is the unclean thing, and we need to take the admonition of the Apostle Paul to cleanse ourselves from all of it. Anytime we detect anything in our lives, that and it's an ongoing process, I guarantee you, we should put that from us. We should not um, try to just see what we can give away, get away with. That's not the heart of the Lord. That's not the Holy Spirit in the heart of a believer. The Holy Spirit, His name is holy. When He indwells us, we will want to live as close to Him as we can. We'll not to try to be like little brat kids to try to see how close to the world we can live and how much we can get away with. Now, I want to read J.A. Beat's comment. J. Edgar Beat was a 18th century Methodist, believe it or not, back when the Methodists had a little fire in their tank. <coughs> now, Brother Beat says this, and he's commenting on Second Corinthians 7 and 1. He said, Notice carefully that God's word to Israel in the wilderness and through Isaiah are promises now possessed by Christian believers. Boy, that's a message we all need to get. Forget, for God acts always on the same principles. Amen. What was abomination to God in Leviticus is abomination to God right now. God doesn't change. People change. People will say one thing another one day and another the next. People change. God does not. I am the Lord God. I change not. Malachi 2 and 6, Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Apostle James said, Every good gift comes down from the Father of lights, in whom there is no shadow of turning. People change with the wind. The Lord does not and therefore, and oh, this is so good. And therefore, his words to one man are valid for all in similar circumstances. Amen, Brother Beat. If it's abomination in Leviticus, it's abomination now. God hated paganism in the Old Testament, but he hates it in the New. Nothing has changed except an apostate church that wants to glorify and sanctify the things of the devil, put a fancy ribbon on it, and pass it off for Christianity. Brother Beat goes on. The beat goes on. How about that, huh? We'll see if there are any other old people out there. But he said, God's visible presence in the midst of Israel was an outward pattern 
of his spiritual presence in the hearts of Christians. And the obligations which his presence laid upon Israel were a pattern of those resting upon his people now. Amen. The parameters for God dwelling with the Israel of God in the Old Testament are the same parameters for God dwelling with the Israel of God in the New. I want God's presence more than anything. I do not want to see how much we can get away with. I want to walk as get everything out, lay aside each weight and every sin that doth hinder, and have the presence of God in our midst. And that is indeed what we will have. Amen. Now, I want to say also that defilement is still a reality, but the way of cleansing, that it has certainly changed, hasn't it? In 1 John chapter 1 and verse 7, But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another in the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanseth us from all sin. If In verse 9, <coughs> If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Cleansing is in the blood of Jesus. We have that by faith. We can go to the Lord in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, and we can pray that sincere prayer of repentance, and we can have that forgiveness, and we can have that cleansing. Amen. In Galatians chapter 5 and verse 9, and I'm going to read this text, and we're going to we're going to take a break. Galatians chapter five and nine, and in this text, the apostle Paul wrote to the church in Galatians, "A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. How important it is!" And so, and we're going to be speaking this later tonight in the show with Dan Badandi. But how important it is for the leaders in the body and the ministers in the Israel of God to speak into the people that listen to them into their lives that we are to walk as far away from paganism as we can. We're to put it from our lives instead of encouraging and opening the door for people to feel good about themselves while they're partaking in pagan practices. And pretty much the motto of the modern apostate church is a little leaven doesn't hurt a thing. Yeah, hey, a little leaven, we like that leaven. And of course, uh, that was the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And uh, they brought in all kinds of things from the Talmudist and from the Kabbalist. And there's all kinds of leaven from the practices of the old fallen angel religion of the Nephilim and the land of Canaan. These were abomination to God in the first covenant. They're abomination to God in the second. We will do everything we can to turn people from the practice of paganism to the living, that life that aims to be free of defilement, that God might dwell in our midst. Touch not the unclean thing. Amen? We're going to take a break, and we're going to be back after the break. And as you might um, might imagine, I've got some more things to talk about on the FOJC Remnant Gathering. We'll be back in just a moment. Hello. 
FOJC Radio Remnant family. Sister Donna here. I just want to thank all of you for your support and your love and kindness. Just wanted to let you know that here at FOJC Radio, we want to reach the world for Jesus. I know you know this verse. You've said it as a child probably many times. But as a reminder, in John 3, verses 16 and 17, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. In order to do this, we have chosen to use many different avenues. We have our regular Friday night message with Brother David, and then we have our Sunday night live, and we have different people on it. Sometimes we're on Rumble, and sometimes we're on YouTube. You just never know who we might have on there. But I just wanted to remind you all and thank you for your support and give us a listen on Sunday Night Live. These programs usually start at 8 p.m. Central Time. You never know what we might be doing. We're full of all kinds of surprises. We want to reach the world for Jesus. to invite you to our monthly prayer-a-thon. The date for our prayer-a-thon will be announced each month on the prayer-a-thon page and on the many programs that we offer. We collect prayer requests from our special form on the prayer-a-thon page on our website, fojcradio.com. And also from the chat the day of the prayer-a-thon on the Underground Church FOJC on YouTube. Each month, we have a variety of members of our Remnant family who come together in our apartment to take turns in our office because they want to pray for your prayer-a-thon requests. If you send an email, please be sure and put prayer-a-thon in the subject line. And please get your prayer-a-thon requests in to our office by 1 p.m., the day of our prayer-a-thon. We have started the time a little earlier because of the children that are involved. So we're starting at 4.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. And I need to be able to get your emails and get them printed out and ready for our team. Please limit your words to 75. And please do use the form I've created on our prayer page. Thank you so much. God does hear our prayers. God does answer our prayers. We are so blessed to serve a God like Him. Tonight's message with Brother David Carrico on FOJC Radio. Welcome back. 
to the FOJC Remnant Gathering. And as I always do at the break, I want to sincerely thank each and every one of you that studies with us and that prays for us and that supports us with your gifts and with your kindness. We do appreciate it from the very bottom of our heart. Uh, noticed in the chat there during break, looked a little bit, and I saw Jamie Christopher make the comment that she doesn't eat halal, that sacrifice meat. Well, Jamie, I'm with you on that one. That <laughs> You don't want none of that. That is sacrifice meat. A lot of people don't know that. Uh, but, boy, that is just absolutely correct. We're going to get back into the scripture in Deuteronomy chapter 14, verses 7 and 8. Nevertheless, these ye shall not eat of them that chew the cud, or of them that divide the cloven hoof, as the camel and the hare and the coney or chew the cud, but divide not the hoof. Therefore they are an unclean unto you, and the swine, because it divideth the hoof, yet cheweth not the cud, it is unclean to you, ye shall not eat of their flesh, nor touch their dead carcass. And people will say, that doesn't hurt anything. Uh, you know, um, I eat pork all the time. Doesn't bother me. My preacher eats pork. Well, let's consider a text here in Deuteronomy chapter seven. Uh, maybe it is. Maybe it is doing something. You think? Let's think about this for just a moment. Deuteronomy chapter seven, verses twenty-five and twenty-six. The scripture talks here about the cursed object. And this is uh, a little different, but it's applicable in the context of not touching the unclean thing and putting those unclean things from us. It says, The graven images of their God shall ye burn with fire. Thou shalt not desire the silver or gold that is on them, nor take it unto thee, lest thou be snared, for it is an abomination to the Lord thy God. Neither shalt thou bring an abomination into thine house lest thou be a cursed thing like it. Thou shalt utterly detest it, and thou shalt utterly abhor it, for it is a cursed thing. The things that partake to pagan religion and the things that partake of idolatry, they are cursed and totally given over to destruction by the Lord our God. Now, what happens when people do touch the unclean thing and when people do Take things that are unclean into the camp of Israel. Let's read in the book of Joshua chapter 7 and in verses 12 and 13. And we know the story of Achan who took the unclean garment into his tent. And when Israel went out to battle in Joshua 7, 12 and 13, therefore the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turned their backs before their enemies because they were accursed. Neither will I be with you any more except ye destroy the cursed thing from among you. Up, sanctify the people and say, sanctify yourselves against tomorrow. For thus the Lord God of Israel, there is an accursed thing in the midst of thee, O Israel. Thou canst not stand before thine enemies until ye take away the cursed thing from among you. Has anyone noticed an apostate church that is absolutely gutless and worthless, does not have the power to be salt and light. The devil has absolutely taken over our nation. It's an absolute demonic clown show, and our so-called American church is worthless, powerless, and can't do anything except 
build bigger buildings, take up more money, and the most extreme they'll do, they'll get into politics. You know, that's the ultimate expression of zeal anymore, uh, getting into politics. Well, uh, good luck with that. But the reason why we have a lifeless, worthless, apostate church, they have the accursed thing in their midst. It is all the way from Freemasonry to the pagan holidays to false doctrine. They have taken the accursed thing to their bosom. Therefore, they can't stand against their enemies. They have no desire even to stand for truth or to fight against the enemies of the Israel of God. They have made a league with them, and they have given in. In Joshua 7, verse 21, When I saw among the spoils a goodly Babylonian garment and 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold, 50 shekels weight, then I covered them and took them, and behold, they are hidden the earth in the midst of my tent and the silver under it. So Joshua sent messengers, and they ran unto the tent, and behold, it was hid in the tent and the silver under it. And they took them out of the midst of the tent, and brought them unto Joshua, and said unto all the children of Israel, and laid them out before the Lord. And Joshua and all Israel with him took Achim, the son of Zariah, and the silver and the garment and the wedge of gold, and his sons and his daughters and his oxen and his asses and his sheep and his tent, and all that he had, and brought them unto the valley of Achor. And Joshua said, Why hast thou troubled us? The Lord shall trouble thee this day. And all Israel stoned him with stones. And people will say, Well, that's radical. Well, I tell you what, running God's presence out of the Israel of God is radical too. I'm not saying kill people. Israel's not in the land. We don't enforce the civil death penalty, but I'm saying God will. God hasn't changed, and he will one day punish idolaters in the unending flames of eternal hell. It's a serious thing when there are people in the camp of Israel that will take the unclean thing into their midst and drive God's very presence from us. It's a serious thing. We cannot shut our mouth and turn our head when people are led into deception by modern-day Jezebels. Jeremiah chapter 10. <coughs> and we made reference last night, John and I, um, Mr. Odell, in his message, he said that uh, I don't worship my fir tree. And this is pretty much a common response. Um, many that, that I don't worship my Christmas tree. Well, let's read what the Word of God says. And whenever you see the word worship here, uh, it, it's it's not even about worship. Of course, <laughs> you know, you shouldn't be worshiping, you know, anything but the Lord God. But you see, when you bring pagan customs into the worship of the living God, that's abomination to him. Let's read it. Hear ye the word of the Lord's, the word which the Lord speaketh unto you, a house of Israel. Thus saith the Lord, Learn not the way of the heathen, and be not dismayed at the signs of heaven, for the heathen are dismayed at them. For the customs of the people are vain. That's it. We're talking about pagan customs here. Pagan customs. Learn not the way of the heathen and do pagan customs. For the customs of the people are vain. For one cutteth the tree out of the forest, the work of the hands of the workmen with the axe. They deck it with silver and with gold. They fasten it with nails and with hammers that it move not. 
They are upright as the palm tree, but speak not. They must needs be born because they cannot go. Be not afraid of them, for they cannot do evil. Neither also is it in them to do good. We are forbidden by the word of God to partake in pagan customs. This is outlined so clearly in the book of Leviticus. And that's the point. Uh, you, you, I don't worship my Christmas tree. Well, good for you, bud. But the point is, you're not to do pagan customs. And when you, I, oh, I tell you what. I tell you what. I, it's anyone that tries to defend the Christmas tree as not being pagan. Let me tell you, you got your work cut out for you. Because, I mean, anybody with that unbiased, rational mind that will study the, what a Christmas tree is, it's pagan. It's 100% pagan. There's zero God in it and 100% pagan. That's the point. Learn not the way of the heathen. And um, I, I tell you what, it just really, it just really gets me to the point where uh, I just, I, you just got to say something. You just, you just have to call some of these people out for what they are. You just really do. Leviticus chapter 18, beginning in verse 26, this is what the word of God says. Ye shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments, and shall not commit any of these abominations, neither any of your own nation, nor any stranger that sojourneth among you. For all these abominations have the men of the land done, which were before you, and the land is defiled. Defilement, touch not the unclean thing. Verse 28, that the land spew you out, that the land spew not you out of also, when ye defile it as it spewed out the nations that were before you. For whosoever shall commit any of these abominations, even the souls that commit them shall be cut off from my people. Therefore shall ye keep mine ordinance that ye commit not any one of these abominable customs. That's what it's about. Don't commit abominable customs. The customs of the people are vain. Learn not the way of the heathen. It is not okay to take pagan customs and attach it to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the worship of the Most High God. That is abomination. Lord have mercy. And also, with Lord having mercy, Lord bring judgment also. Even so, come soon, Lord Jesus, and bring judgment. Amen. We welcome it. Um, Matthew Henry, his comment here on the Christmas tree passage here. <laughs> oh, my. Uh, it says, it ill becomes those that are taught of God to learn the way of the heathen and to think worshiping the true God with such rites and ceremonies as they used in the worship of their false gods. You see, the Christmas tree was used in the demonic rites of Addis, and you think you can just bring that over and make it a Jesus tree? Really? Learn not the way of the heathen. He goes on to say, it was the way of the heathen to worship the host of heaven, the sun, the moon, the stars, to give them divine honors. Well, let me tell you, uh, what do they put up on top their little Christmas tree? They put a star up there, don't they? Well, that's for a reason, because all of this goes back to the same pagan demonic rite, Jeremiah chapter 10, that was tied directly to the worship of the host of heaven. Now, how then will we live, brothers and sisters? How then will we live? Are we going 
to disregard the Word of God. And I know I'm speaking to the choir. I know we're not. First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 22. Abstain from every appearance of evil. Amen. We are to put from our life even the appearance of evil. And my goodness, it's time for us to take seriously. Touch not the unclean thing. Instead of trying to see what we can get away with, it's time for us to draw close and desire above all things the Lord to dwell in our midst. In Galatians, the fourth chapter and the fourth verse. Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4. And the scripture says here in Galatians 4 and 4, But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law. Uh, Richard Longnecker, yeah, and that's his real name, Longnecker, uh, but quite a good commentary in the book of Galatians. He said, For it was not just that Christ came as the man, but also that he came as the Jew under obligation to God's Torah, so fulfilling the requirements of the law in his life. Matthew five seventeen through 18, the good man quotes. And Jesus did not come to do away with the law, but he come to fulfill it. And uh, he told us that people that teach others to break even the least commandments, that they're going to be the least in the kingdom of God. God sent forth his son and he gave his his only begotten son to die upon the cross for us and in Romans the 8th chapter and the 3rd verse the scripture says this in Romans chapter 8 verses 3 and verse 4 for what the law could not do in that it was weak through flesh God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. And I think I'm going to close with that this evening. And I, I just want to make mention for anyone we've had new uh, um, people come in Anyone that wants to believe what I say about the law, go to the Underground Church YouTube channel, and there's a teaching there, what does David Carrico believe about the law? So I wanna, I'm up front about it. And what we believe in this issue of, the, of uh, on last night on Now You See TV, we gave apologetic for what we believe, and we also gave polemic against what we do not believe, and... I'm comfortable with it, and I'm, I stand by it, I'm comfortable with it, and I don't come unglued and hate everybody that puts a Christmas tree up. I'd be, I'd be really tore up all the time because most churches and most pastors, they're going to put the Christmas tree up in their church and they're going to put it up in their home. Don't look for me to pat you on the back for it. I will not do it. I will teach all of those that hear me to get the things of Satan out of your life, to get pagan customs out of your life, walk as free of defilement as we can, to love one another, to share the truth with others, 
and to desire above all things that the Lord Jesus Christ and the Father and the Holy Ghost dwell in our midst. And with that, I'm going to conclude. And also, I want to invite invite all of us over uh, to the Dan Badandi broadcast tonight. Uh, I'll be on with Dan tonight, and I think John might pop in. And of course, there's been Mr. Odell has been saying things about us on social media, and we're going to be answering some of those tonight. And um, uh, so there you go. It could be a little frosty tonight. Uh, coming in with a little hot sauce on the Dan Badandi show. So get on over to Truth Radio and join us for that. And um, I want to say, uh, give all the announcements of everything we got coming up. We got it popping and rocking. Uh, pray for this young lady Sunday night. And there's another young man. He's older. He's 30. He just turned 30. And he'll be presenting very soon on FOJC. You're going to uh, um, be getting to hear that young man. You know, we need not only to teach the truth, but we need to bring up others within the body to be able to minister and carry on. That's a big part of my heart, to bring forth uh, and bring out the gifts in, in other people, to let them uh, be a part of uh, that great mission of fulfilling the gospel. So pray for these young people. Uh, pray for them and uh, lift them up. And, of course, you know, young people, they're young people, you know. Uh, uh, they're just like me when I was young. I made mistakes, and I'm still liable to make some. But let's pray for them, lift them up, and uh, help them to grow and to be mighty instruments of God in the hands of our Lord. All right. Father, we just want to ask you to help us in this time of year. This is a time when the... Uh, spirits of darkness are very much at work so father in jesus name we just pray that you help us all to have our speech uh with grace seasoned with salt that we might bear witness for you and father in jesus name we just pray that you help us all in this time to shine as lights for your truth and to lift up the blood-stained banner of jesus in the mighty name of jesus we pray and we agree amen and amen god bless you all And we'll see you next Friday night, 6 p.m. Central, on the FOJC Remnant Gathering. Thank you for listening and joining in fellowship with us here at FOJC Radio Remnant Gathering. You can contact us at FOJC Post Office Box 671 Tell City, Indiana. 47586 or you can email us at last at cs.com or you may call us at 812-836-2288 you can check out our website at www.fojcradio.com thanks and god bless Ryan here and I have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.